thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, what we're going to do is kind of wind up the series that we've dealt with the spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm going to be reading some scripture, but saying something. And you may want to go back, especially uh, if you're not taking notes. I mean, I hate this to be like a class, but uh, we want to know that when we're talking about the enemy, we need to know what God says. What does the word say? Not what someone's opinion is or whatever. Um, a friend of mine said, opinions are like noses. Everybody has at least one. So when it comes to the enemy, the, the one who's out to destroy, uh, I really want to know what God says he can and cannot do. So the first thing we want to cover here is titles in the scripture uh, of Satan. We can't go into them, but just want to talk about how these titles in, in the word uh, describe him. The first is he's the prince the power of the air or atmosphere. So Satan operates in the air. He's an angel of light. But if you receive his light, you'll have darkness, great darkness. He's the God of this world. I thought this was interesting. Uh, I, uh, when I first was exposed to spiritual warfare, it was totally not in my training at all in Bible school. They didn't even talk about the enemy and any preparation and dealing with missionaries and some of them having really severe problems and voices and all this craziness. Uh, I really had to, to start looking through scripture. And then I heard that Fred Dickinson, who is a head theologian at Moody, um, had a summer class, which was a week long, three hours in the classroom every day. And then there was a lot of reading and that in the afternoon. So my wife and I went to Moody and studied under C. Fred Dickinson. The reason I'm telling you that because I, out of the, our, the textbook, he's written a number of books, but his first book was used in many Bible colleges as a textbook on Satanology. Um, and it's the God of this world. It's a title, but the God of this world is influence over the governments of this world. That's literally what that means. So it's very, very important. We're coming up with an election. And it's very important as a believer that you would seek the mind of God and the will of God and go in and um, mark a ballot. And vote. Uh, Satan wants to use the world. And I'm telling you, some of the countries now that we know of, and I'm not really free to say a lot because we're in those countries and I don't want them to turn off our video websites in those countries. But some of the countries that were at least friendly towards Christianity there are countries now that are turning against. And so we need to be praying uh, and, and thank God that uh, even though they may not be for Christianity, that they're allowing our website to go into those countries and people are watching and listening. And we just had um, a blessing. We, uh, Paul counted up the number of people 
to this time watching, and it was over 13 million so uh, 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 hits that we're having. So thank God for that. All right. So the God of this world, he wants to influence the governments because if Satan takes the influence of the government, the believers are going to hurt that live in that government. And then he uh, he's the leader, the scripture says, of evil angels. The He is the prince of demons and he's the God of this age. And that's just a few of his titles that kind of describe what he's doing. But now we want to move from that, which is very important, but to what's more important because about me. How do I fit into all this? And so we want to look at, and it isn't everything. I'm telling you, you if you're interested, you ought to get some books and study. I have 500 books on spiritual warfare. In fact, my preparation for here, I went through three or four theological books um, um, of, uh, of not on warfare, but just theology and looking at their section on God and the enemy and so on. All right. Now, this is really important to me. I, I, I try to put them in order of importance and maybe not, but first I have to realize the scripture says, Jesus said, Satan blinds the eye to the truth. And people will say, I just can't see it. I just, I just don't get it. I, I, I can't figure it out. Well, it's interesting that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Well, I'd like to tell you an interesting story. I don't have, I have lots of stories, but I can't share them all. But we had some navigators staying at a mission that I was on staff with. And, uh, and because I was safe in the navigators, uh, oh, they let me uh, have a few nights to break them over the coals. So I had fun preaching at them. And, uh, and I was sharing about Satan blinding the mind to truth and that we had found in CEF, that when the gospel was given, kids would knock or hit somebody, cough, drop their Bibles. It was amazing, all the chaos. Everything was great during the lesson, but now it's the application and trusting Christ. And so what they would do is one who was leading, one stood in the back and began to pray against the activity of the enemy. And what happened in those classrooms was amazing. All of that chaos stopped. You know, kids coughing, they all have to go to the bathroom or whatever. Uh, it just stopped. And so I was sharing this with these Campus Crusade guys that when one is sharing the gospel, one should be praying against the enemy, blinding the mind to the truth, because scripture says he does that. So they decided they would see if I was teaching the truth. And so they went into town one night looking for some people, and we were in Warrington, Missouri, which is a blurb on the road. Yeah, you're through it before you know you're there. And so the only place there was anybody was a bar. So these two guys go in a bar, and they're going to witness in this bar, and they see a guy sitting at a table. So they sit down at the table. The one guy is going to share the gospel. The other guy is going to pray against the enemy. So they're sitting there, but the bad thing is the guy who was going to pray loves basketball. And on the widescreen thing was one of his favorite teams playing basketball. So this guy is sharing the gospel and he's praying and the guy's leaning forward and listening. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. 
And then something would happen and the guy praying would look up at the, oh, you know, and the guy would lose interest. <laughs> and then he'd go pray and he'd lean forward. <laughs> this guy was doing the back and forth because his prayer partner was caught up. I and mean, then they laughed about it and telling me it did work. That when we prayed against the enemy activity, that the guy was attentive. And when I stopped praying, because the guy who's talking to him is going, what's going on here? This guy's doing this back and forth stuff. <laughs> and I don't know why this is happening. But that happened, you know, and it makes, it's a lot of wisdom going out two by two, but both of you can't at the same time witness to the same person, but one could be praying because we know the word of God said, Jesus said, Satan blinds the mind to the truth. And you're just praying that they would see and Satan would be bound. He couldn't do that. Well, the, you're sharing that uh, very truth. Uh, and the second thing it says that I wanted to share with you here, the scripture says Satan steals the word out of the heart. You say, how did he do that? I don't know, but I do know the word of God says so. And um, I want um, to read to you out of Revelation because I think this is a very important passage in our counseling, the demonized, uh, we often, or I would say always, but maybe once we didn't or something, uh, read this section about Satan. There was, uh, in its revelation, chapter, uh, chapter 12, uh, let's see, 7 um, through 11. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, which is Satan, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was a place found any more in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth and his angels are cast out with him. So I want you to see this. We're going to go on, but we stop right there. That Satan is a deceiver. And there's nothing I know that if you've been in some business deal or you bought this thing in a big box and you open it up and it's laying in the bottom of this big box. And I thought I was getting this, this gallons of it and I'm getting a few ounces. Uh, I was deceived. And see, a deception is... It's so painful that Satan is going out and deceiving. Deceiving what? That you can have joy apart from Christ. You can have meaning and purpose in life, real meaning and purpose, and ignore God. And all of that. And, you know, when you realize you've been deceived, it can make you angry. I, I, so That was so dumb uh, to be deceived. So Satan is a deceiver. And see, it's when my mind... And emotions really believe something it isn't true. It isn't just a mental thing. It's my feelings involved with it. So Satan is a deceiver and he's deceiving the whole world. I don't care where you live. You know, we're in Iowa and we're not the center of the world, but we're almost. But wherever you are, you know the deceiver is working. You, you're working with people and people are going after tracing. If only I did this, if only I had this and so on. A deception. And then he said, and I heard a loud voice in verse 10 
saying in heaven, now comes salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and for the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. So we're told here two major, and I, I think these, if you're under attack, it's going to be one of these two things. Uh, there'd be more we're going to look at what Satan can use. But basically, I think here is when he says he's the deceiver and the accuser. See, Satan dangles something before me, and I think I really need it, and I want it. And then I go for it, and then he accuses me of doing it. How could you do such a thing? And he really beats me up emotionally but, uh, as a believer. How could you as a believer have said that, done that, looked at that, or whatever, and really goes after? And there's a lot of discouraged believers out there because Satan dangled the worm, and they took it, but they didn't realize there was a hook in it, and they got hooked. And so, you know, if you know someone that's caught and trapped in sin, you owe them love. You love on them. They don't need your condemnation. Satan's doing the number. <laughs> He'll condemn them, uh, you know, especially if they're believers. The Holy Spirit will convict them and so on. But we need to be there for them and encourage them. Um, and just thank God that, that that wasn't one of your deceptions. Uh, because Satan's out there and he's fishing and he knows, uh, I'm not a fisherman. Um, you know, I just, um, I never could stand to use the bait, I guess. But if you're, if you want trout, some people are fly fishermen. I pass through the church that have the largest fish ladders, I think, maybe in the world or at least in the state. And that was for salmon going up over the falls, Granite Falls. And uh, you go there and the salmon are going up to spawn. It's unbelievable. You don't need hardly any kind of a bait to even reach down and grab them. They're so thick. Like, like they said in the old days, you could walk on them, walk across the water by stepping on the backs of them. So you, the, if you're um, a fisherman, you know exactly what kind of line, what kind of pole, and what kind of bait you want to use. And so does Satan as a fisherman. He knows what to dangle in front of you, and he knows what you're going to go for. And so realize that that's what he does. Satan is a tempter, and what does a tempter do? He tempts, and that's what he does. And I can't stop you from being tempted. You can't stop him from doing it because the word of God says that's what he's here. That's what he does. He's going to tempt me. Okay, let's go on with some more things uh, that reveal some of the temptations uh, of him. But I guess the, the second one we didn't look at, and that's the accus accusation, the accuser of the brethren. He tempts me, then he accuses me because I fail. And I think one of the accusations that I've seen a lot is the scripture says, they that compare themselves among themselves aren't wise. If I compare myself, I'm 87, 
you know, I look, I'm sorry you have to look at this old man that's, you know, has got a, uh, I already got my uh, uh, reservation at the graveyard. Um, I'm getting close to go there. Uh, but, you know, they that compare themselves by themselves and among themselves aren't wise. Because either I'm going to compare down or I'm going to compare up. It's really hard for me to compare up because I don't know many people older than me. <laughs> but, but to compare down, yeah, look, look at these snot-nosed kids that I <laughs> that I counsel. Man, you know, in shape, not a wrinkle, you know, their muscles have muscles and all this stuff, you know. And here I am having a hard time walking around. Uh, but that's what the enemy does. And then he says, look, I tempted you, but he doesn't say that. Look what you've done. And he beats you up. In fact, you beat yourself up. He just gives you the whip and you go and whip yourself because you failed. You know, confess your fail, failure, stand up and go on. You know, that's what he does. He tempts and you're going to be tempted again. And you may be tempted in a, in a different area because as you go through the stages of life, um, you know, I don't have the temptations that I had when I was a teenager. Yeah, but as a teenager, I didn't have the temptations of an old man. So, you know, the enemy knows and he'll come and he knows what you'd go for. He knows where your weaknesses are and he is going to tempt you. Okay. It goes on and he says, um, uh, the, in first Timothy six, nine, he says, this is a real snare of Satan. And this is the American, maybe all over the world, but uh, in America, the desire to be rich. You know, I want to be rich, discontent. I'm not content. So I, I love what someone told me years ago. He said, Jim, if you're not content with what God has given you, what makes you think you will be content with what he will give you? And we need to move from contentment. I mean, that should be the basis. I am content with where I am and what's happening in my life and so on. And one, one of Satan's temptations could be, especially to Americans, is they're never content. Always a little bit more, a bigger car. I got a new car, but you know, and the new car smells gone, so I need to get another new car. And I looked at the prices of new cars well, I can tell you that when my wife and I were first thinking about buying a house many, many years ago, is about the price of a new car today or less. A whole house, you know, it is unbelievable. So be careful. Now, some of Satan's targets, this is important that we know so we can pray for them. First Thessalonians 3, 5 are new believers. Paul said, I'm really concerned you're new believers, and I'm concerned that Satan may have tempted you and pulled you away. And so when someone's a new believer, they need to realize not only did they enter into new life with Jesus, but also they entered into a spiritual battle. And, you know, I, I, I was supposed to go to Korea when I was drafted in the Army. And, you know, they didn't put me on a boat and I land or parachute into land and uh, I'm on the ground. And here's a gun. And by the way, you're in a battle here. Oh, thanks for telling me. <laughs> no, they prepared me for the battle. 
to have victory over the enemy. And we need to have some preparations for Christians, new Christians, especially about the battle they're going to face. So many new Christians get shot and wounded because no one prepared them. That's, I, I, I know there are many, many groups out there, but I am so thankful for the navigators because the navigators prepared me for the spiritual battles I was going to face that I didn't even know I was going to face them, but they knew and they gave me scriptures. You know, that's the greatest weapon you can use against the enemy. Thus saith the Lord. Okay, another focus of Satan is church leadership. And, uh, you know, the statistics are sad of leaders that have been shot down, uh, that have quit and walked away. And I understand when I pastored my first church, uh, I didn't know they didn't prepare us that that pastoring churches was going to be hard and i wasn't ready for it and at the end of our first year when we left for our vacation i told my wife i'm going to look for a job and if i get it i'm not coming back i'm just not going to be a pastor it's not worth it everybody can do the job better than me and they probably can so they don't need me <laughs> let them stew in their own juice you know i'm out of here and I felt like uh, uh, the natives had put me in a pot and was heating it and dancing around with bones in their noses, you know, as I'm being cooked. But I understand, you know, I, I just, I don't need this. I don't want this. I wasn't prepared for this and I'm out of here. But God was great. I couldn't get a job doing anything. So, you know, no one wanted me. So the church was stuck. And so I went back and, and it was a blessing and I changed my attitude and so on. Okay. Here's another one in 1 Corinthians 7, 5. One of Satan's focuses of attack are marriages. And in America, you know, the divorce rate isn't as high as it used to be because people aren't getting married. They just live together and then they decide they're going to switch and, and whatever. But marriages are under attack. And they need to know that. Um, you know, I, I, I tease people that when we got married, the recessional, when Mar Marguerite and I walked out of the church, they played the fights on, <laughs> that wasn't true, but anyway, uh, no, but it, there was a battle and I wasn't prepared for it. You know, it's, it's amazing how the, the, here I am, uh, a new believer, haven't, you know, been around church that much and in church that much. And yet I had no preparation for marriage to make a go of it. And it was our commitment to God. And secondly, our commitment to each other that our marriage survived the early days. I didn't know, I had no idea. And then another group that's under attack in scripture in first Timothy chapter five, verses 14 and 15 are young widows. And he said, be careful of the young widows, uh, watch out for them. Uh, and he said he really encouraged them to get married so they wouldn't fall into Satan's trap or Satan's snare. Now, I want to go uh, to this next area. It's it's one I love um, and I want to share with you. And that's 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. And I want to read that to you. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. 
and he says, <clears throat> and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Now here it comes that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by Satan to do his will. Um, that is a very sobering verse. We talked about the fisherman. He's also a trapper. Well, that first church that I struggled in was high in the mountains of California. And the two groups of people that lived there, one were the cowboys, uh, ranchers that had cattle, and the second was loggers. And uh, one of the loggers I led to Christ, um, a young young man. And one day he came to me and said, hey, pastor, you want to go out of my trap line? I said, what? He said, I want to go. You want to go out of my trap line? I said, that, that stopped with Daniel Boom. And he said, no, he said, I sell furs. I make money by selling furs. So he never explained to me a trap line. You know, here I am this from Cement City, Los Angeles, up there in the mountains. And I'm, we're out there walking, and I'm walking ahead of him. Well, we came to the very first trap, and I nearly stepped in it. Now, why in the world would I want to step in a snare in a trap? I wouldn't. I didn't see it. It was deceived, but I did see something. I saw a dead rabbit hanging in the tree. Now, my first thought, I wonder why that rabbit committed suicide. <laughs> now, here he's hanging. He's hanging just high enough that the animal that he wanted to trap and get its fur would have to pounce up to try to get him and hoping his foot would go into that trap that was concealed because animals won't go stick their foot in a trap if they can see it. It was concealed. And so I, I want you to see that. Satan knows what you would go for. And uh, what you would go for, you young whippersnappers, uh, what I could go for is self-pity. Oh, poor as me. I'm old. I'm all alone. You know, on and on and on. <laughs> Play a little violin with it. You know, yeah, I could go there, but I'm not going there. But see, Satan knows where you are. He knows what you would go for. He's going to set a trap. You're not going to see the trap. You're only going to see the bait. To hear me, I want you to hear this. And I don't know what your bait is, but I'm telling you, Satan knows what you'd go for. And he's not going to, mine will be different than yours. I cannot look down on you because you are different than mine. You may be young. So, you know, you're a harmonger. So, uh, you know, I'm old. And I can't even remember those days. So, you know, it's just, hey, we're all what? In a battle. We all have an arch enemy. And he wants to keep me from being used by God. And you too. You need to know that. So Satan sets the trap. You're not going to see it. All you're going to see is the bait. Now, I mean, there's so much more we, we could we could say. Um it says in 1 John 3, 8, and you can look that up. It says the devil's behind all sin, as he always has been. And people say, oh, I'm not sure. What about that scripture? 
the devil behind all sin, even as he always has been. All right. Now, what do we do? And there are many, many wonderful victory verses I could go. But we do have that brochure. You can copy it. Paul put it on the web. You can copy it. Or if you want it, send us an email or whatever, and we can mail you that brochure on the armor of God. And it's the best we've seen. Um, I would love to say I wrote it. But I didn't. I can't imagine someone would write something better than I could write it. Can you believe that? Oh, well, that may be a trap of Satan. Oh, well, I just stepped into it. Uh, all right. Let's look at Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It says, and this is what we're leaving with. Uh, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted, Jesus was tempted by the devil and only by the devil, like as we are, yet without sin. And here's the verse, wonderful verse 16. Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, the throne of empowerment, that we may attain mercy and find the power to help in our time of need. If you're going through a temptation right now or you're being defeated right now, why not go to the throne of power and ask God for the strength to resist and to tell the enemy to scram? Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. And I know we ran through it and we're not doing justice, Father, in no way to spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. And Lord, I thank you that we have many long, long videos that can be helpful to those that maybe are defeated or in a battle right now and don't know what to do, they could look on our website and be helped by Neil Anderson, myself, Tim Warner, um, Urban Lucer, all these, all these great guys that are on there that could help you in your battle. So thank you, Father, for this opportunity and may this message be an encouragement to those that are right now losing the battle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it went over.